Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. Tonight, I've got head coach of the Townsville Heat up in North Queensland, Rod Anderson, with me. G'day, Rod. How are you going? Really good, thanks. Thanks for having you on the show. No worries, mate. Great, great to catch up. Last couple of years, we've been uh, opposing coaches at times, but uh, yeah. now, now to have a bit of a chat, coach to coach, I'm looking forward to it. It's actually uh, really weird. Like, you know, it's funny because you're, you're against people, but uh, when I first started coaching, I wanted to, like, hate people and, you know, we want to try and beat them. But the longer you coach, you kind of, you get friendly with people and you sort of, you don't worry about sharing so much stuff. So I've actually got gotten some really good friends out of coaching now instead of trying to hate people so yeah it's really good <laughs> yeah it's um I, I sort of it's a big community and yeah. you know like uh, i think everyone has got a lot of time for everyone and and you know it, it we all tend to look after each other too so uh, exactly yeah. yeah everyone's got a shared purpose mm. so uh so rod townsville born and bred yep have you uh, forever and mum and dad have sort of um got me into the sport and i feel like I was born with a basketball. So I remember watching you play back in the day. Yeah, that would have been scary. <laughs> no, it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. And uh, I sort of remember you from back in the day too, because your dad was um, yeah. quite a quite a proficient and uh, well-known ref up there in Townsville. And, and I think your mum was involved too, wasn't she? Yeah, mum and dad, after dad stopped refereeing, mum and dad were on the score bench and they, um, they ran the score bench for the Suns in the state league. Uh, way back in the day, and even A grade in Townsville was massive back then, so they were running the state, uh, the the score bench for that. Um, Dad went to the under twenty three World Championships when Australia won down in Melbourne. That was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and even my sister Susan was on the score bench at the two thousand Olympics, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, we've all sort of had a little hand into, into basketball. Yeah, that, that's great. It's probably yeah, like how a lot of us uh, get a, a foot in the door yeah. in basketball is like someone in the family is involved and everyone gets dragged along and before long you, you're playing or you're coaching or yeah. you, you're doing something else to help out. I feel like I was brought up at Towns of Basketball. I, I know the place inside out because I was literally there every single night of the week pretty much from you know five years old until now hasn't <laughs> <So, laughs> stopped yeah. no exactly and so uh this year i six year as townsville heat head coach yeah yeah well congratulations mate and ten, and, I, and i was trying to work out i guess you were four years assistant coach before that so it's about 10 years in 2020 yeah i think this year i can't, i think it might have been the semi-final against the gold coast or it was one of the last games i think it was my 100th head coaching game so um, yeah, you have to sort of hang around a while in the QBL to have a hundred games. So um, maybe it was a hundred game involved in total. So I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, it was a big milestone and it feels good just to, you know, be around long enough to, to learn and get to know a lot of people and um, yeah, have some success along the way. It's been really fun to represent the place that, like I said before, I grew up at Towns of Basketball. So it's really fun to be able to, to represent uh, and to to be successful as well. Yeah, and given you know, like uh, you and I both probably remember, there's a fairly long and rich basketball history in Townsville. So, mm. when you were a young fella, who inspired you on the local scene? I actually told this story to my um, underrating Queensland North team that we we had a, a session must be about a month ago, and I can remember going to the 
I think it was 1986 grand final of the SBL. So it was the State Basketball League and it was the first year um, Townsville played Toowoomba in the final, I think it was. All right. And pretty sure that's right. And it was played at Townsville and I, I was sitting on the baseline and Mark Bragg took a charge and ran into my legs. And like, I just thought that was amazing. And Mark Bragg was one of the heroes of mine and still um, stay in contact with Braggy and he's one of my mentors now. So it's great to have him. And he was a guy that I always wanted to be like. I just saw him as uh, a guy to look up to and he played point guard like me when I was little. So yeah, it was just a, a, one of those moments that like, this is it. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to play for the Townsville Suns back then. Um, later on, um, when the Suns got into the, the National Basketball League, I, I wanted to be like David Blades. Um, I watched him play state league against Townsville. Toowoomba and Townsville had an amazing um, uh, competition back then in the late 80s and early 90s. It was Townsville and, and Toowoomba were really big time. So I, I'd been watching Blades and I just wanted to be like him. And again, it was another point guard. Um, so I never really was successful as a player. I just made a Queensland squad once. And so I kind of knew early on that I wasn't going to be anything special. Um, so I started sort of coaching junior teams and um, had a lot of people help out along the way. But really the first couple of people that gave me a shot and sort of took basketball coaching seriously, um, the first guy was actually Ian Tudhope. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, Hopi. Uh, got involved with a local club here in Townsville and sort of started coaching the A-grade team with him. And then um, Trevor Gleeson and um, his assistant coach, Liam Flynn, at the Crocs sort of brought me in and um, had me doing some jobs um, and then sort of sort of fell in love with it from there. And, um, yeah, Liam Flynn, then he was the, the coach of the Heat and asked me to come and be the assistant coach. And that was my first year. I think it was 2010, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And ever since that, like just getting the taste of being a um, sort of an intern at the Crocs and then a, a development uh, and scouting coach at the Crocs, that was really a really big deal back then for me to, to be a part of it. And yeah, wanted to be a coach ever, ever since then. Yeah, nice. You know that time, I suppose, when the Crocs were at their their peak and mm. and selling out the the stadium there next to the casino. What was that yeah. like? Uh, I was at actually out of town around about that time, but uh, you know when I did come back to Townsville and, and get down to a game, it was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, it was unreal. It really was. Even right from the very start of the Suns days, like we had sixty three sellouts in a row of a, a four thousand seat stadium, and Townsville wasn't a massive basketball city, um, but people came because it was an amazing night out. Like um, Ricky Jones was dunking and people hadn't seen people dunk like that before. And there was Remus Curtinitis guy from uh, Lithuania. So it was a bit of a sideshow back then. And then we actually started wanting to win. Um, unfortunately, Mark Bragg got moved on, but then Stax was really good. And I, can't, I got to go and watch some of the trainings with Stax back in the days. And he was just on another level um, to see us go from, never making the playoffs then 2001 make the grand finals and people lining up like a, a kilometre long the line up to buy tickets for the finals and uh, the noise inside I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it and yeah. makes you like it's a, it was amazing back then but it's just so sad now that there's no crops to um, people just yeah, you can't remember how great it was and you try and tell the kids now that 
like it, we used to have a team and they were brilliant and it was just off the charts and they sort of just don't realize how great it was. Yeah. And do you think that is, and again, I'm probably uh, from the outside looking in, but is it, is it just a pretty much a case of, well, the Cowboys have sort of taken over that, that market and, and that sort of crowd support? Yeah, I think at the same time, the Cowboys really started to, to, to rise up and then um, uh, the the North Queensland Fury also come, the soccer oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in the A-League and then it was just a saturated market and it was still a small city um, and then really the financial um, thing came crashing down and towns just couldn't afford to keep everyone and the Fury fell first um, and then some... Uh, Will I say mismanagement? Yeah, I'll say mismanagement at the end mm-hmm. um, towards the, the – yeah, until that got taken over by the community and then it was too much of a rush job to uh, to for the community to really get involved the way that Cairns had it set up. So yeah, um, it sort of just died in the end and the, the NBL could have probably propped it up but chose to put the money into Brisbane Bullets instead. Yeah. And what year was that that it sort of uh, – the Crocs finished up? Oh, I think their last year was 2006. No, right. 2016, sorry, 2016. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's 2015, only... 15 maybe? Yeah, three or four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I guess now that, you know, the Crocs have been out of the equation for a little while, like, how's that affecting, you know, like kids coming through the pipeline? You're obviously heavily involved with coaching the juniors that come through. Are they, you know, tending to want to stay on in Townsville if they've got aspirations of playing NBL or are they sort of looking to other, uh, other centres or? Up until, yeah, up until recently, I probably would have said, yeah, they were staying around. But um, the most recent case is um, Harry Panisi. So that's Dave Panisi who played for the Suns and, yep. and Crocs. Um, Dave's son, Harry, is uh, on Australian level at the moment. Um, and he's just um, got a scholarship down at Churchy to go to Brisbane. So All right. um, back in the day, he would have stayed here. He would have been training with the Heat and playing with the Heat, training with the Crocs and developing through their sharp start system. But um, he's had to go down to Brisbane to sort of get the level of uh, training that he needs to, to try and become a professional or go to college. Um, so, and even like guys like Josh Spears, um, last year he chose to go and play down at Ipswich instead of, staying here in Townsville. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it has been difficult. Yeah. I actually saw him play at uh, LMU in 2015 uh, on a little trip yeah. to the States. So um, great atmosphere at that, at that school. It's just, uh, you know, very well run ship over there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, isn't that the middle of California in LA? Yeah, yeah. Loyola, Marymount in uh, LA. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about, I guess, uh, some of the success you've had with the with the Townsville Heat in the in the more recent history when you've been coaching, and and probably you know the biggest sort of feather in your cap, I reckon, is probably when you won those back to back championships in um, 2017, 2018, and yeah. how, how did that come about? Obviously, those things don't happen overnight, and you know what was it like? Did you did you plan to uh, to take it take it two years in a row or? You know, was it just everything sort of came together and the planets lined up? Well, it, um, to get the coaching job in the first place, Mike Kelly had coached the year before and had plans to coach again. I must have been 2015. I'm getting the years all mixed up, but um, he ended up getting the job at Melbourne United as the assistant coach. So we yeah. were actually in pre-season and we were starting to, to get in his system and he left. So 
um, it was almost like there was no one else. Um, and the players, um, and especially Luke Brennan was on our team back then. He's coaching the Flames now, but he was one of the ones that actually went to Towns of Basketball and said, Rodney needs to be the coach. So um, I, I got the job that year and it was kind of a rush thing to get in. And uh, I didn't have a great year. I think we only won six games that year. Yeah. Um, then the year after, we started the season with um, Mirko Jerick, um, I think Luke Schencher, Tom, uh, Tom Howard, a couple of uh, really, really good players. We started out 11-0 and 0, and then Mirko chose to go and play over in Serbia. So um, we end up, we, were, we finished minor premiers. I got the coach of the year that year, um, but lost in a semifinal at, um, at home to Cairns and they end up going to win it. So... All right. It, and it was no coincidence that Greg Vanderjack had taken over that year as well as GM. And he really, um, not even on the court, it was off the court that really we, we decided that there was no more Crocs. So we were going to be the flagship men's team in Townsville. So we had to, you know, make the guys professional. We were going to be professional off the court. He was, you know, the sales went through the roof. The, um, you know, the people that in the crowd were, were nuts. Uh, it was sell out after sell out the next couple of years, and we really built it like it was an NBL team. And you know, we we put out schedules. We had individuals. They had um, a strength and conditioning program. We had uh, a full proper preseason run. So we did everything like a professional team. Um, and from that, people wanted to come and play for us, and um, and we got results. Um, I think a lot of people still don't give us credit for the 2017 win because Sean Bruce rolled his ankle. Yeah. Um, and it shits me to this day that people still don't give us credit because we still think we were going to win that series. So um, that was, a, that was a, a massive thing for us to go on the road and win. And then the year after, you know, we brought in Jordan Jett and Harry Froling and there was a lot of pressure on us to win. Um, yeah. But back to back and then doing it at home, it was unbelievable. So... Uh, again, Greg Vanderjack should take a lot of credit for that. Um, and, you know, the, the guys in the team, a lot of locals. But, yeah, it was it was an amazing time to win two in a row. And, you know, Townsville hadn't won anything for 17 years since 2000. So to, to get that in seven, uh, 2017 was, yeah, still getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was one <laughs> of the best things that I've ever done, to tell you the truth. It was unbelievable. Yeah, pretty sweet. And and just to refresh my memory, um, 2017, that was Mackay, wasn't it, you played? Yeah, we played Mackay and Josh Wiltshire was the MVP of the finals then and um, he went to another level and, um, yeah, we, we kind of rode his back and we had Jamel Anderson that year as well and with game three, he stepped up and was brilliant and Peter Crawford went seven of seven from the three-point line. So, um, yeah, a really special championship, that one. Yeah, nice. And then... 2000, the next year was uh, Cairns, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we, we had Cairns come in here. and In the um, final, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. the 2017 year, we played them in the semis and they were one shot away. Cody Statman had a shot to beat us and, and uh, missed it. So those Cairns guys wanted to come back with a, um, to try and get us back and we were lucky enough to have a really, really good group and um, got it done again. Yeah, and I guess that's probably one of the things that non-North Queenslanders uh, might not appreciate or understand, but that intercity rivalry between Townsville, Cairns, Mackay, you know, like it, it starts young <laughs> and, um, you know, like there's nothing better than um, serving it up to, to teams from Cairns and, and Mackay if you're a Townsville person. 
yeah, like it, it's just such a a different game when you're playing Cairns and, and Mackay as well. Like I remember um, Charlie Doyle telling me from under 12s when I was playing that you have to make sure you beat Cairns and you have to make sure you beat Mackay. Um, so, you know, I'm coaching a couple under 12 teams myself and I've passed that on to the, the girls and boys teams that I've coached. So, um, you know, the crowd comes with a different feeling. You can feel the buzz in the, the, the air and um, it's always a special game to get up against those two. And then even like when we were in the NBL, those can, uh, the, the reptile rumbles, they were unbelievable. So, um, yeah, it is a special feeling when you play against those two northern teams. Yeah, and and, uh, and I suppose it's a good indication of, you know, just how good basketball is up in North Queensland. Like uh, teams are really competitive and, yeah. and, and and from what I've seen in the juniors too, like um, Queensland North are putting out great sort of junior state teams year after year. Yeah, and yeah, I've been lucky enough to be um, the under-18 Queensland North coach for the Nationals next year. So I got to watch all the uh, the under-18 games, the boys' games this year, and there is some special talent with that group. Um, yeah, we're going to have a, a really long athletic team. And, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting to see the, the talent coming through. And, you know, can seem to pump out team after team. And um, Townsville still, even though we don't have an NBL team, we're still producing some really good juniors. So, um, yeah, the the engine's still pumping away and, like, there's still some really good coaches in the north that um, are helping develop these kids as well. Yeah. So, as a head coach, um, one of the questions I, I, I like to ask uh, guests I've got is, uh, you know, what influences your coaching philosophy? So, particularly, you know, coming into another season of the State League, uh, are the yeah. things that you put into place that generally work for you year after year or you sort of tend to uh, try a few things out yeah. and, and see how things go? We have, uh, the last couple of years, we've experimented with, with a couple of different things and um, I was always taught um, pack defence from uh, from coaching a lot of junior teams and that's kind of what I knew the best. So when I first started coaching, we were full pack uh, looked at the stats and it did a lot of research into it and we weren't putting enough ball pressure. We weren't turning the ball over. So uh, we switched in 2017 to a denial team. So we were in lanes. We were really trying to put some heat on. Our uh, low home helper was all the way across. So, um, yeah, that was something we really went to, to to try and, you know, change what some some things that we'd seen in the, the numbers that we needed to get better on. So, that really worked for us and we, that's something we definitely have moved forward and uh, we, we do, well, we think we do it pretty well. We've been the top two defensive teams in a lot of categories for the last three years, so it has been working. Yeah. Um, another thing we tried at the start of 2018 was to tag up uh, offensive rebounding and in Trans D. Um, we tried that the first probably month after in the, the regular season and it just wasn't working. We were giving up way too many baskets because I don't think we had drilled it well enough so we ended up going back to you know sending three to the glass and uh, one all the way back in safety and one dogger so we, there's definitely some things that we tried and experimented with but um, a lot of my my offensive coaching comes from uh, Paul Wolpert. Oh, yeah. uh, he was the head coach of the Crocs here and he was a very um, NBA kind of system that the San Antonio Spurs and uh, there's Seattle Supersonics that had used uh, back in the day and um, because I'd sort of been around him and, and been on the coaching staff, I kind of picked up a lot 
and I felt comfortable coaching it. So that's the system, you know, it's a motion weak and motion strong are the, the basic sort of uh, offenses that we run. And I think if the coach understands it and the coach is comfortable with it, then you can teach it better and the players get it better. So um, if you're trying to coach something that you're not used to or you're not comfortable with, then the, the players are going to see through it. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because like, I was never a good defender as a player, but um, a lot of the things that I really harp on with the guys in the locker room are defensive things. And I think one of the big philosophies, like our defense fuels our offense. So if we can, you know, turn the defense up, if we've got good ball pressure and we're denying, um, we're forcing turnovers, then it, the offensive end kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. Is there, do you give your assistant coaches or your coaching staff like um, specific tasks, you know, during games and during training to help you keep moving in the, in the direction you're trying to get to with that sort of stuff? Yeah, so um, another thing that I picked up from uh, Liam Flynn when I was with the, the Crocs, we had um, a defensive DNA. So we had seven different stats that we were stating. Uh, or numbers that we were looking at and we could give feedback to the players during the game like our defensive DNA, we're only hitting three of our seven targets. So um, one one coach has got the, the defense and one coach has got the offense. Yep. And, yeah, they're starting in trainings and in games as we go. Uh, and then, like, we've got, you know, stats put up on walls in locker rooms and things like that to show what we've done during the year and uh, each game if we've hit targets. So um, it if it means something to the players, then like if you give them feedback during the game, they can adjust things straight away. It actually means something to them. So um, they have to understand it. But yeah, we we have a defensive DNA and we try and we think that if we get seven out of seven, we're guaranteed to win. If we get um, five out of seven, then we're most likely going to win. And if we sort of drop under that, it's, we're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, no, that's good. It, it sounds very tangible too. Like uh, players can pick it up and take yeah. a bit of pride in, in, in their in their number. Yeah, and it, it's mostly team numbers, but we also keep some individual stats. So oh, yeah. you can see even offensive stuff, you can see like take a charge and they're looking over the assistant coach to make sure they got that, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it gives the players something to strive for and it's something to be proud of exactly like you say. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I sort of noticed you uh, right into the stats. I've been uh, following you on Twitter. Um, yeah. Over, over 36,000 tweets. <laughs> That's not good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty busy on Twitter, I tell you. But yeah. I, I had to laugh uh, one day. I, I was listening. Um, I was watching one of the NBL games and Andrew Gaze quoted mm-hmm. one of your one of your Twitter stats. And I yeah. thought, wow, a straight line into the big fella. <laughs> Oh, I was just as shocked as everyone else getting a, a shout out from the goat. Yeah, I, that was actually from uh, I write an article in the uh, Cairns Post about the type ends games and just my perspective on that sort of stuff. So I was just looking into the stats and um, I take some of my own stats of NBL games as well um, from box scores and different things. But that was one of the things I came up with that um, yeah, when Cairns keep teams under ninety three, they they win. So. Yeah, Andrew Gase was on the tweet. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, how do you um, sort of pick up that sort of thing? Like, uh, I got to say, uh, maybe I'm not tuned into that sort of um, analysis. But um, is that something you look for, or, or like, uh, is that something you've 
just had a bit of an eye for or yeah it's weird sort of- i've always been like a numbers guy so um and being like a like the scouting coach and uh and doing a lot of st- stats for the nbl and and the crocs back in the day that's sort of where my grounding is so um yeah it's just something that i've always done is a lot of stats so um i kind of relate it back and but that i was just for that one i was just kind of looking up different things to add to my article in the paper. So I kind of just came across that one and it seemed to make sense. So even in games, like I, you can just sort of, I do a lot of, um, so if you follow hashtag NBL X's and O's, I post a lot of videos on Twitter, um, just seeing different things. So I think that's just because like my very first grounding was scouting teams and, yeah. and keeping a lot of stats. So I can kind of see things as they are and, um, just tend to tweet him out pretty quick. I think I'm, yeah, it's it's fun to do because I'm I'm trying to watch every game to learn as much as I can. So if I can sort of pass on a play to someone else and they pick it up, then that's good. Yeah, yeah, and that's great that you're um, sharing the knowledge and um, getting people talking hoops. Yeah, and like I said before, it was uh, I would have never have done that at the start because I try to like keep everything to myself. I don't want to share anything, and it's all a big secret. But um, you know, the longer you coach, it's more about sharing and it's not about like giving something away. It's more just about helping someone else out or, um, yeah, having a look at things. And if someone picks up something from, from one of the tweets, then that's good for basketball, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess this time of the year too, it's uh, off season for the state league or what's going to become known as NBL yeah. One North. What sort of yeah. things are you doing, like uh, right now, in terms of putting the team together? You know, development with the players that you you know are going to be in the mix for next year. Yeah, we uh, we're going to start. We've already got our sort of preseason preseason schedule and uh, that sort of thing for all the guys that are, are local and already in towns. Also just talking to a couple of those guys and just making sure they're, you know, in the gym now and um, if they're definitely coming back and sort of putting a, a list together for Mark Robel, our GM now, to to go through and start talking to people. And um, when we first sat down, when Robes got the job, kind of saw a, a pretty unique opportunity to try and um, recruit a full Townsville local team to for this year in the NBL 1 North. So... Oh, nice. You know, if we can have, you know, a team of 12 guys that are Townsville local juniors, and that I think that's pretty special and something the town would get behind and something Townsville basketball would be really, really great. So, you know, we'll, we've got a list of guys that are from Townsville that we want to try and bring back. And, um, you know, there's some NBL guys. There's some guys that were NBL one uh, last year. And, uh, yeah, so... We think that'd be pretty cool to have a full Townsville local team, and uh, you know Mitch Norton, Sam Froling, Harry Froling, um, those kind of guys, Chris Cedar, um, Josh Beers. They're all guys that are, have grown up in Townsville. So you now, if we can get some of those guys, we'd we'd be pretty happy, and, and we think we'd still be pretty competitive too. Yeah, for sure. And interestingly enough, I, I when I talked to Brian Curl on the podcast, uh, he mentioned the team he had in um, St Kilda in 1979, I think it was, mm-hmm. won, won the championship. And, and he was very proud of the fact that he had a all-local comp team uh, with no yeah. import players. And, you know, even to this day, he's uh, hugely proud of that group and, and the fact that they got it done locally. 
yeah, I, it, it would be unbelievable to be able to, you know, trot out a full local team and, and do really well. And you could imagine, you know, that Townsville would really get behind that if we if we got to get the win. And then, you know, if the NBL 1 North got to play NBL 1 um, South, it'd be pretty cool to try and go and represent on the national stage. And uh, going back to some stuff we talked about before, you know, just, um, you know, trying to represent and be the, the number one men's team in Townsville and, we think the last couple of years that we won championships, we would have gone down and beaten some of the Seabull teams and won it on the national stage down there. We kind of have that little chip on our shoulder, but now you can actually go and prove it. So yeah, uh, it'd be pretty cool to take a full Townsville local team and try and do it. So um, yeah. yeah, let's see how it works out. But that's that'd be pretty cool, I think. Nice. And uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming NBL One North season? And what's that mean for, say, Townsville Heat and also, you know, just uh, basketball in, in North Queensland too? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously the, the marketing and uh, the exposure are the two really big things that are changing. So, you know, we've been um, trying to be as professional as we can on and off the court at Townsville Basketball and Greg Vanderjack again is, was amazing at that and really took us to another level. So we've kind of been crying out for, for more exposure um, on the national stage. So uh, we've really welcomed the changes and we think it's going to be really exciting to, uh, and again, if we want to bring back those guys, um, it's a really big opportunity to, to stay and you, you keep getting the exposure and, um, Again, it's a, a better path for local kids to try and get through to the NBL and, and to other places as well. If, if they want to stay here, they can do it through NBL 1 North. So, um, yeah, we think it's a really good thing. And, um, you know, our girls are really excited about it as well to try and, you know, obviously carry on what the, the good stuff that the fire's done in the community. So, um, yeah, we think it's going to be pretty special. And, you know, like Rockhampton and Mackay and Cairns, they're going to load up as well. So... Uh, it's going to be really hard in the north, but um, some of the south teams, from what I hear, are going to be doing just the same. So the level of competition is going to be through the roof. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a um, pretty hot league next year. Um, yeah. But, you know, having said that, I think uh, exploring that point about the, the northern, the strengths of the northern teams, like you guys have, have been really consistent, you know, the last four or five years up in north. And when we say North Queensland, I guess we're talking Rockhampton North. What do you think the reason for that is? Um, I think for starters, um, the, the junior base up in, in uh, the north has been really good. So, you know, Mackay have had some great local juniors come through. Um, Cairns have had some really good local juniors come through. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, – basketball is a great sport in this area. So – you know, we, we're not down in the south where we kind of have to spread our local talent around a couple of different teams. Um, you know, there's not the Broncos and uh, the Gold Coast Suns and the, the Brisbane Lions. They're not taken away from it. So uh, a lot of the sponsorship dollars can be focused on the basketball as well. So we kind of tap into that and we're able to spend a little bit more money than uh, what the south have in the past. But um, a lot of it still is because we've got great local juniors and, uh, you know, even with the points um, system, we, we're never close to it here in Townsville because we have so many guys that have played local juniors. So, yeah, uh, yeah it really helps us here. And, um, 
obviously the, the Crocs helped us in the past before to, to keep some of those local guys around uh, and that helps the, the Taipans and the Marlins. But, um, yeah, it's it's always just that competitive. We're always trying to get one up on each other. So, um, you know, Rockhampton haven't been happy the last couple of years and they go out and they get Sean Bruce and AJ Ogilvy and Adam Gibson and Tim Conrad. Like it's, yeah, you've got to try and keep up with the Joneses up here in the north. Yeah, yeah. It, well, that's exactly right. And and we're still filthy that the South have finally won a, a grand final too. They hadn't <laughs> won one for like 17 years and all of us North teams aren't happy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. that Brisbane team last year, they were pretty, uh, pretty, were pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just the way they went about taking care of the business in the final too, like very, very slick. And Sam McKinnon did an awesome job. He was, he had those guys really playing well. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think you know my sort of take on that is like you know that's the benefit of having an NBL team in town. Yeah, um, yeah. you've just got the access to the to the high level elite coaches and and players, and you can get some uh, development at the club level. You know, yeah. from having that 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 team in town. Yeah, so that's going to be another challenge for us to try and because we don't have the crops anymore, and that's sort of that's in the past now. So we have to sort of fight for ourselves. So that's a uh, a big thing we have to try and make sure we're, we're still at the top. Yeah. You mentioned earlier you were doing a bit of coaching with some of the juniors so uh, and you were in that Queensland North under-18 team. I sort of saw a picture of you online the other day where you were at the QNJBC recently. Yeah. Um, yeah what, what age group do you coach there and, and what what did you think of the playing standard for, for those kids who are at that? Yeah, I um, I was actually assisting uh, Ethan Betts. Uh, he coaches the number two under eighteen boys team, and uh, it's his first time coaching a team, so oh, nice. he wanted someone beside him. So he's actually going to be a really good coach if he uh, when he stops playing. He's got a really good basketball brain, so um, it's really good to be able to help him along. And um, it was a good opportunity to be able to go and watch those a lot of young guys in that team that will probably be in the Heat team next year. Yeah, um, but they're really young, and it's it's cool to get working with them. And um, but the the Townsville and Cairns uh, number one teams, they are seriously talented. Yeah, uh, really, really high level. And I think there's uh, two guys in the Townsville team that are on the Australian depth charts: uh, Rory Hawke and um, Harry Panisi. And then um, there's two guys in the Cairns team as well: Kai Statman and Kane Runnels. So. Uh, you know, four guys in those between the two teams uh, are in the Australian squad. So there's a lot of talent. And uh, even the guys around, like looking at my Queensland team, there's probably no one at the moment that's kind of like under six foot three. So oh, wow. long and athletic and, and pretty skilled. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to go and get working with those guys. Yeah. So that uh, Nationals, that's the one in Ballarat in um, – yeah. January is it or April? April, yeah. yeah. So our state champs are in Jan and then um, April we get – so we've only got like three months together. But, um, yeah, we'll try and get working as, as hard as we can and get ourselves going by April and see if we can give it a crack. Yeah, nice. So I know you uh, keep an eye on the NBL and obviously yeah. you're, you're keenly interested in what's going on there. So uh, how, how are you see, seeing that season sort of panning out now we're probably about the midway point or nearly at the midway point? I think um, Sydney and Perth are head and shoulders above everyone else and they really should be the two in the, the grand final in the end. So um, it's been so interesting to see how Sydney defend 
Um, they're forcing teams and you look at shot charts and um, percentages and uh, effective field goal percentages for all the teams in Sydney are way in front of everyone else. Um, they're not doing so good at defending the three-point line, um, but they're making teams shoot long, contested twos. Um, Bogut defends the rim really well. Um, so the way um, Will Weaver has got those guys defending, it's uh, it's great to watch. Um, so I think they're, they're the favourites at the moment. And they're pretty much going to go as good as Andrew Bogut and Casper Ware go. So... Mm. If those two guys still play, I don't. I don't see them getting beaten. But um, the the race for fourth is really, really interesting. Um, Adelaide, Southeast Melbourne, and Cairns are probably the three that are are going for it. Uh, I'd love to see Cairns get in there. Um, I'm still really good friends with Mike Kelly, and I absolutely love that guy. You can't uh, meet a nicer guy than Mike. So to see him do really well, it's exciting. And I think they got their three import spots um, just so well picked out, like Machado's brilliant. Um, Ubel and um, Oliver are just so good at what they do. So um, they're going to be really close. Uh, but I think Simon Mitchell, my, my friend Simon Mitchell from Melbourne, is going to get that fourth spot. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. But uh, I think Southeast Melbourne are going to sneak in. But we'll see. It's, that's going to be pretty cool, uh, a brand-new team making the four first up. Yeah, yeah, and um, I had a chat with uh, Simon and um, Stax uh, three, you know, three days before their first game and oh, yeah. it's sort of been interesting for me to see how what they talked about in terms of culture and, you know, how yeah. they wanted to play. Like it just has been panning out exactly as he hoped for. So, um, you know, good on them for um, putting that together, you know, with a, with a fresh group. Obviously, oh, that's that, been that, a um, – sorry, you go. No, you're right. You, you go. I spent a preseason with Melbourne United. Uh, must have been about three years ago, and Simon and Mike were the two assistant coaches back then. To um, um, can't remember the guy's name. Dean Demopoulos was the coach then. Didn't oh, yeah. learn a lot from him, but um, I learned a lot from Simon Mitchell. I just soaked up. He's he's got a great basketball brain, and um, you know he's he played at a high level himself, and went to college and had a good career there. And um, he's he's a really good coach, and I. I love that he's got Stax beside him. Um, Stax is really a basketball genius. Um, he's studied basketball all over the world, especially in Europe, and um, he doesn't really coach the American style. He coaches a really European style, and, um, yeah, those two guys together, it's been really good to watch. And, um, yeah, and like you say, their culture in such a short time, it's really, really unbelievable that they've been able to do it uh, in, the, like, three, four months. It, it's crazy, really, but they've done it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, um, you know, they're not just talking about it. They're getting it done too. And and I, and I think sort of myself, um, Mitch Creek's had a huge part in that in yeah. that success too. Like he's just taken over, you know, taking that leadership role to heart and uh, he's really leading by example. Yeah, I think like Adam Gibson's another guy that's just, oh, yeah. you know, a great leader. And um, even though Ty Wesley wasn't there at the start, out injured, I'm sure he would have had a lot to say in the locker room. And they've just, you know, I, like Cairns, they've just, their personnel has been spot on. Um, they needed some, you know, youth and excitement, but they also needed the veterans to come in and, and show the guys how to win. So um, Simon has done a great job. And 
I know Rowan Short and Tommy Greer in the in the front office there. Those guys have really switched on. So um, that's why I, I think that they're going to make it. I think they've got the great mix of culture off the court and, you know, the basketball smarts on it. Yeah, for sure. So you see um, yourself coaching where do you see yourself coaching in about say five or ten years time rod you you're pretty successful you know with what you've done so far and and obviously probably live and breathe basketball most of the hours of the day if you could, if you can get away with it <laughs> that's exactly what my wife says yeah <laughs> no i um like i'm really happy coaching at the heat right now and um, you know, if something in the NBL came up, I, um, I applied for a couple of jobs in the NBL last year and um, didn't get any of those. So, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, but I'll um, try and coach at the highest level that I can. Um, you know, I even have looked in England and um, New Zealand as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go any further staying in town. So I've got to leave my little nest here and uh, which will be hard because I've been here my whole life. So uh, if I really want to take the next step, I've got to be able to move somewhere. So um, yeah, the next step might be down in Melbourne perhaps, or um, maybe even going overseas, like I said. So uh, I've got my eyes out, my, my ears out looking for for different opportunities. So um, if one comes up, you just never know. So um, I just got to keep on, being successful where I am now and, and, and you know, success um, will breed other success. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and you know, like from my impressions, Rod, you, you're doing all the right stuff and, um, you know, you got the, the track record as well now, um, which is uh, something some of us QBL coaches are still, still trying to get. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was, it's, it, when you've got that, I tried to sort of cash in while I could to try and, you know, on the back of the, the two championships to try and see what I could do. And um, at that time, I really didn't want to leave Townsville. So, um, yeah, if, if something else comes up, you just never know. And uh, at some stage, I've got to leave here. So um, my wife is amazingly supportive and um, she still can't believe I watch games nonstop and uh, always have my phone on or my laptop on. But um, she's she's super, super supportive and she probably wants me to get a job more than I do at times. So uh, yeah, she's, she's unbelievable actually. So it's good. Yeah. Have you ever uh, thought about coaching in the States, you know, like in a college team or college system there somewhere? Yeah. I never went to college myself. I left um, school and got a job straight at the national Australia bank and made too much money. So I was never going to go back to college. <laughs> but, um, you need a degree to coach over there. And yeah, um, I know I, I talked to um, Russell Hinderstill, um, friends from back in the Crocs days, and he's trying to do a degree now at Arizona State just to try and get himself able to get the qualifications to go and coach in college. So, um, yeah, it's it would have been great, but I just can't see myself ever going back to college and getting a degree. So um, maybe high school perhaps, but um, that might be a stretch as well. So uh, that's why I've kind of looked at, at England and – New Zealand and a couple other places to see what I could do. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's 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 a big uh, big move, you know. Like any time you talk about yeah. sort of leaving town or going somewhere different, it's um, something you've really got to think hard about. Yeah, and I, my daughter is in grade eleven this year, so she's starting senior. So um, yeah, any sort of move would have to sort of take into account my daughter in grade eleven and my son in grade nine. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's not just a decision for myself. It's got to be a decision for the whole family. So, 
Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah. So I guess uh, the question that's probably on everyone's lips who follows the QBL is, will we see the uh, resurrection of the long and the short of it podcast <laughs> in 2020? So, that was so much fun to do that with Greg. And um, yeah, it was, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I Way back when John really was playing in the Crocs, John, uh, JR and I had a podcast podcast and um that was super fun to do and we did not take it seriously at all <laughs> we kind of tried to bring the same sort of flavor to the long and short of it so um yeah it was a lot of fun and we had some really good guests and um started getting some really good followership as well it was only really a uh, a qbl podcast at the start we kind of added a bit of mbl in um at some stage but uh if we can uh if greg and i can do it again we'd love to do it it was so much fun to do and and Greg and I get along so well. So, um, yeah, it, it would be really good if we could. So maybe just keep your ear out next NBL season. Um, <laughs> bring it back. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, uh, mate, thanks very much for uh, joining me on the podcast tonight. I uh, really appreciate your time and just wanted to wish you all the best for, for next year and also with your uh, under-18 Queensland North team. Um, sounds like you've got great plans in place to um, get some great results and you've got a you know, great team there as well to work with. So sounds yeah. like it's going to be an exciting 2020 for you. Yeah. No, th- thanks for having me on. It's, um, yeah, maybe we'll have to check in later on and see how I go. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, mate. Well, uh, all the best thanks and take care, eh? Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Coach, and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.